Welcome to Policy Pod, P-O-R-F podcast. The Ideas Factory is an exclusive series by ORF that delves into the big geopolitical events that affect India and the world. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Ideas Factory. I'm Nagma. Joining me is Professor Harsh Pant. Some of the key uh, things that we will be looking at on this episode of the Ideas Factory are, of course, the Prime Minister Modi's U.S. visit, the first in-person Quad Summit that took place, the first bilateral meeting between Prime Minister Modi and President Joe Biden, and of course the UNGA. So we will be analyzing all of those. A very warm welcome to you, Harsh. And um, let's begin uh, with the Prime Minister's U.S. visit by asking, how do you actually analyze in terms of what did India achieve? If we look at the bilateral, which was not really the main focus, the main focus, of course, was the UNG and the Quad, but it took place nevertheless. And it was the first time Prime Minister Modi met President Biden after he assumed office. Uh, we all know that Prime Minister Modi shared a good rapport with uh, ex-President Donald Trump. Uh, he even, uh, you know, pitched for his election campaign. Uh, giving, looking at all of that, did that affect their, uh, you know, uh, the personal chemistry? Or how do you actually look at this bilateral meeting and what were the key takeaways from this bilateral meeting that took place? Uh, thanks, Sangma. I think, uh, you know, if you look at Mr. Biden's foreign policy at the moment, uh, it's not, uh, you know, Mr. Biden is uh, is under pressure on a, on a number of fronts. And uh, even his closest allies are not happy with him. So I think if you take that big picture view, you would say that this visit and, and the bilateral engagement, the bilateral um, outreach to uh, Mr. Biden um, by Mr. Modi, uh, I think comes at an important time for Mr. Biden himself uh, because, uh, you know, he uh, he has just, uh, uh, you know, uh, after AUKUS, the US, uh, the Australia, US, UK and US trilateral security pact, uh, the you know European Union is terribly unhappy with him. France, of course, is unhappy. Uh, and there are discussions whether uh, Mr. Biden is basically uh, carrying forward the unilateralism of Mr. Trump. So I think in that context, if you see his his uh, his uh, engagement with Mr. Modi, it seems to me that uh, it has been relatively uh, fine. You know, it, it, it came off all the all the important issues as far as in, from India's point of view were articulated. They are part of the joint statement. Uh, I think from India's point of view, the fact that uh, Afghanistan-Pakistan issue has become very, very salient in the last few weeks, uh, that was articulated. Uh, from America's point of view, uh, I think we saw uh, emphasis uh, on how to take forward the trade part of the agreement, uh, of, of the of the bilateral engagement. And there was a lot of focus on what do you, uh, what can potentially be done in a manner that takes the conversation forward uh, on, a, on a very important issue, which is stuck. And remember, this is also a government, much like Mr. Trump, uh, that believes that uh, all foreign policy is about middle class. So in a sense, uh, unless, uh, you know, India and India's ability on to, to deliver on... Um, uh, on, on certain fronts uh, becomes uh, vivid. I think uh, these kinds of conversations would continue. Uh, but I thought that overall, uh, you know, despite the issue of uh, democracy and human rights that was also raised by uh, by Kamala Harris and by Mr. Biden, 
I thought that overall uh, the engagement uh, was productive. Both sides uh, listened to each other, and even on democracy, what we are looking at now is a relationship that is very mature. That is, you know, that is India used to get very prickly about some of these things. Uh, today, India, you know, uh, more confidently uh, acknowledges them and also uh, tries to shape the conversation in a way uh, that is not an irritant, but more uh, a productive way in which two friends talk to each other. So, by and large, if you look, if you are looking at the, uh, you know, even the optics of it, it seems to me, yes, of course, you know, compared to Mr. The last visit and Mr. What, Mr. what happened with Mr. Trump, uh, that may not be there, but I think that was not the purpose either. Uh, if, if if Prime Minister was going uh, for the UN General Assembly uh, meeting and the Quad meeting, which he, to which he was invited uh, by Mr. Biden, I think the very fact that the two leaders uh, have been meeting regularly virtually and the fact that Quad is happening within six months, uh, now the second time, uh, the, the Leaders Level Summit itself indicates uh, the, the level of interaction between the two sides uh, and that for, for both sides, the strategic realities overpower any other irritants that, that might be there in the relationship. Uh, and so, the agenda that has been set is very, very important and ambitious, both bilaterally, quadrilaterally, as well as multilaterally. So, uh, Harsh, if I may just add to this, do you think, like you said, that uh, the relationship is more mature now, but the mention, uh, the president's remarks on shared responsibility to uphold democratic values or joint commitment to diversity, uh, would these in any way uh, affect uh, the, the strategic importance that both countries have for each other, they both understand that, but would that affect the relationship or the trajectory of uh, Indo-US relationship or do you see any kind of change in the trajectory or is it more clear now? What's the shape uh, that the Indo-US relationship will take place under President Biden? I think I think I think it's very clear. I don't see any any uh, you know any change or any um, dramatic shift in the in the wider trajectory. Uh, I think you know the fact that India and America are two biggest democracies in the world, two most important democracies in the world, and at a time that they are trying to take a position vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, you know China and the various uh, you know uh, authoritarian and autocracies uh, authoritarian systems and autocracies around the world there is a question of the larger narrative uh, and i think that for that narrative also it is very important that uh, you know the, the whole question of democracy is put front and center and if you see uh, you know prime minister's speech at the un general assembly started with the whole issue of democracy of course he was you know there were multiple constituencies when he was you know addressing that question but i think it was it was very clear that for both india and the us the fact that we are multicultural multi ethnic democracies the the fact that we value uh, pluralism uh, those factors are important and they cannot be shunned aside and both are at a at a stage in their relationship that they can talk about these things uh, now see i mean let us also not overdo values because uh, we know America has had a very stable and uh, strategic partnership with Pakistan for all these decades. Uh, America, uh, a very, very close relationship uh, and still is. Uh, if, if for many Indians, that's a, that has always been this big conundrum. Uh, here is India democracy and yet we, we struggle to get along with, with, with the US. Uh, so I think that's one element that I think the strategic imperatives of the relationship are changing in a direction where while values matter, uh, the strategic imperatives are the most important drivers at the moment. The Indo-Pacific, China, uh, the, the fact that America needs partners like India, the fact that India lead, needs partners like America. But I would also point out another thing that for Mr. Biden and, and Kamala Harris, for the vice president, uh, 
you know, we we in India, there is always the sense that it is almost always, uh, you know, we are being talked to. Of course, Mr. Modi was visiting, so he was being addressed. But I think there is a domestic constituency there. You know, they have to address their own domestic constituencies in the Democratic Party that have all, you know, and there is a very vocal constituency now within the Democratic Party that wants uh, these leaders to speak about these matters. So I think they were also addressing that domestic constituency by when, when they are public, when they were publicly talking about these, these issues. Uh, so I, I don't think that everything was about Mr. Modi and India. Part of it is, was about their domestic politics, much as what Mr. Modi was doing was also about Indian domestic politics. Absolutely. He started his speech by uh, referring to India as the mother of democracy. Now, if you look at the joint statement, the bilateral, after the bilateral meeting, the Indo-US joint statement, it of course talks or it condemns cross-border terrorism. It denounces the use of uh, terrorist proxies and emphasized the importance of denying logistic, financial and military support to terrorist groups, which could be used to launch or plan terror attacks. Now, how do you see this joint statement? Uh, a lot is being made out of this. Do you think it was a, a big gain for India that this was mentioned, uh, considering a lot of critics are also talking about how U.S. actually has not done much uh, as far as uh, terrorism emanating out of Pakistan is concerned? Like you just mentioned, Pakistan remains to be of strategic importance to America for some reason. Now, probably to establish contact with the Taliban, new Taliban government, but uh, not much has been done. So how do you look at the at this statement? I think, uh, you know, uh, ever since the withdrawal of American forces from Afghanistan, there has been this big debate about what America uh, should be doing. And from India's perspective, what are some of the uh, issues that, that should be put on the table? And this Afghanistan-Pakistan issue uh, for India now is very, very important. And I think both in the bilateral statement and the quadrilateral statement, we find that India's views have been well represented. Because after all, what India has been saying to its partners um, like uh, US, Japan and Australia, that we are willing to engage in the Pacific, but how far are you willing to engage with us on the Western frontier? And, and I think the signals, uh, what, we are, what we are hearing, uh, uh, and, and you know, both in terms of the statement, as well as you know, uh, uh, the vice president making the mention of, of Pakistan and, and in her statement as well, uh, that, and, and of course, a few weeks back, uh, Secretary of State Blinken's statement in, in the US Congress, that we have to reassess our Pakistan policy. Now, uh, how far do they, you know, how far that reassessment uh, goes, and and to what extent it delivers for India, that remains to be seen. But I see definitely this aspect that as America moves out of Afghanistan, uh, the sense that India has been able to, you know, convey to the Americans and to the American establishment is that. Uh, this is going to remain a very, very important frontier, both for India, for the region and for the West. So I don't think the question arises that America can decide one fine day that they, have, they will have nothing to do with what is happening in the FPAC belt. So the, so the pressure uh, and, and, and uh, India's role in making sure that its partners continue to put pressure on Pakistan is one aspect which I think has been an important part of this of this journey of, Mr. of the Prime Minister because on both the, the bilateral and quadrilateral front we are seeing that we are seeing that becoming part of India's diplomatic initiatives in more and more as was also evident in the in the recent two plus two dialogue with Australians where this point was mentioned and Australians supported India so I think gradually the idea is to mobilize uh, like-minded countries on this issue and of course with with the uh, with Pakistan the issue remains 
how far america would be willing to go and what it is going to how, how it how is it uh, that it will deliver on the ground the changing uh, you know realities that are emanating from from afghanistan via pakistan so i think that remains to be seen but the fact that this is something that india was able to convey and and america was able to accept in a joint statement is is something of a you know of of the of the new diplomatic relationship that we are carving out uh, and 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 a part of this ongoing conversation with the us on terrorism and counter terrorism yes and the united nations general assembly took place at a time when the world uh, has been dealing i mean after or maybe a lot of countries are still in the middle of the covid crisis so it took place uh, uh, in in the middle of all this and the afghanistan crisis there were there were many important things uh, that the world leaders had to talk about but of course afghanistan has been uh, the center point uh, and the concerns that were expressed but at the same time uh, Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan coming there and actually saying that the world needs to engage or strengthen the current Taliban government uh, for a win-win situation. Uh, I mean, how how do you see this? Uh, when we were just talking about it, that uh, Prime Minister Modi has actually made it very clear now at an international platform what really is India's policy towards a new government, but. the statement uh, or the speech the pakistani prime minister how do you analyze this well it was you know it, it was an interesting speech because uh, you know uh, kashmir and uh, afghanistan were the two issues uh, that he focused a lot on in you know, the, the pakistani prime minister and of course uh, uh, you know uh, if you look at the at the information that is coming out of afghanistan and that is quite dreary that is quite uh, disturbing because now we are hearing uh, increasing uh, uh, political revenge uh, you know um, yes. uh, mm-hmm. being pursued by the taliban uh, the political you know uh, targeting of 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 political opponents uh, and um, increasingly the the old brutalities back with hangings in public square the kind so i think there is you know there is a problem in terms of the wider narrative of recognizing and i think uh, you know countries like pakistan and to a certain extent china know that the longer this continues the longer they are not able to get recognition from the world uh, you know the more challenging it will become so i think uh, there a, there was a reason why uh, uh, mr imran khan was pointing that out and you know and then was pushing that uh, in in the un general assembly but i think it is equally clear that at least uh, for the larger part of the world they are in no hurry to do this i think there is still this this idea that why should we go ahead and legitimize a government uh, you know and legitimize a regime that is still um, uh, you know uh, that has shown no inclination for moving towards political moderation and the political center so I, and i think what india has been able to do is also from un general assembly point out two things one uh, the uh, that uh, of course afghanistan should not be used for uh, uh, you know to attack other countries and should not become a tool for other nations but the other important point that i think prime minister mentioned which which was i think uh, is for 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 united nations or a platform like united nations the most important aspect that what can be done about ordinary afghans who are suffering every day and that's a question that has not been answered because we you know it, it's it's uh, the 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 binary that we, that is emerging or that has emerged is whether or not to negotiate or 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 engage with the taliban but for a platform like united nations it's a larger humanitarian role that is at stake if and again the prime minister indian prime minister pointed it out i think very effectively that we have seen uh, you know un becoming redundant on a number of issues and there is a danger that even on afghanistan it will become redundant if something 
uh, urgently is not done uh, for minorities, for women and children, for the larger future of Afghanistan. So I think that's an important point uh, on which India has been able to shape up some of its partners' uh, narratives, some of their partners' policies, whether bilaterally with the US or countries like Australia. And now with, with the quadrilateral also coming out very, very clearly that uh, you know Afghanistan's uh, how, what what role they see for Afghanistan and how they see Afghanistan emerging out of the present crisis. Yes, uh, and uh, you know of course the first in-person quad uh, meeting also took place uh, where all the four leaders uh, uh, were there. Uh, uh, I've been uh, reading a couple of uh, analysis of, which has been uh, critical of the Quad Summit too, and they say that not much emphasis was actually placed on the non-security global issues. Does that mean that its strategic significance is diminishing? And we have a question from our viewer, which is actually about the AUKUS and the Quad. Uh, so Jaydeep Gadavi uh, and uh, Vinil Mishra ask a similar question and say uh, that is AUKUS complementary or Akshay Pandit asks is AUKUS complementary to Quad or has USA again backstabbed its Quad allies? Uh, the AUKUS uh, was not mentioned really in the meeting. So so uh, th these are some of the questions that are uh, coming up. How, how do you analyze this? See, I see, uh, you know, uh, AUKUS broadly complementing Quad. I, I think that any, for, from an Indian perspective, any uh, platform, any engagement that puts pressure on China is good for us. Hmm. You know, in India, we have this, we have had a very, very strange debate about AUKUS. For a long time, we have been saying that we value our strategic autonomy. We want to be non-aligned. We want to, you know, we don't want to go closer to the US. And then we complain when America supplies uh, cutting edge technology to Australia. We are not Australia. Australia is a treaty alliance partner of the US. You know, they have a, they have a different engagement. They have a different relationship. So if they are supplying certain technologies to Australia, that's, a, that's within the parameters of that relationship. If we are not talking about those uh, those challenges or, or those tech technologies with the US, that's because we are scared of moving in a, in a certain direction. So ultimately, when you know when when we often talk about quad knockers, it's for Indians to decide how far they want to go with the US. If we are still struggling, and we have had some very senior people in the establishment, uh, in the uh, you know in the strategic establishment, who have said that we still want to have equidistance from US and China. Now, if that is what you want to do then be prepared for this. Then you are not going to get certain technologies. Now, I see, uh, maybe I'm being very simplistic or I don't understand what people are talking about or there is a certain nuance in the views of people. But there is a certain, you know, uh, incessant complaining about America that goes on. Uh, America does this, we complain. America does that, we complain. Ultimately, I think we have to decide how far we want to go. We have to decide what our strategic priorities are. If we are happy, it's still being non-aligned. I think we should take it all in our chin and expect this to happen more and more. If we believe that we have time has come to make certain choices, then let's also clearly state some choices and work uh, with, with our partners towards those uh, goals. Uh, Australia has made a choice. Australia has, uh, and they also deterred for a long time. You know, they were saying, all right, we know whether we have such a, a, a such an economic relationship, important one with China. Can we afford to antagonize China? Now they have decided they want to antagonize China. Mm -hmm. So they are going all out. But India is not. So, so at the end of the day, this is a debate that India has to resolve. At the end of the day, this is a debate that we have to figure out what are, uh, you know, how, in which direction we want to go. But I would also like to mention that as far as Quad is concerned, look, if we start saying that Quad is, does not have a strategic dimension, I think we are misunderstanding what strategic dimension actually means. Because 
if it's, you know, the, the only thing it lacks at the moment is that I think there is a reluctance to call it a security partnership. And I, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, between Australia, US and, uh, and uh, uh, Japan, there is, a, there is a security partnership. We are the only outliers there. We don't, we are not uh, bound by treaty alliance with any of these countries. We want that flexibility to be there with us. But the challenge for Quad is that if you start saying that this is a strategic block against China, you are, what you are doing is you are alienating a lot of the other stakeholders in the conversation. Uh, for example, if you want to build supply chain resilience in semiconductors or in, in certain other uh, specific issue areas, you need partners like Taiwan, South Korea, ASEAN, and you want to reach out to them. You want to build a broader coalition. This time, Quad's joint statement talks explicitly about countries uh, EU's Indo-Pacific agenda because they want to link up with the EU. And this is something that India has highlighted. Why in one of the problems that India has had with AUKUS is that it pushes France out of the spectrum. But, in, but India wants France in. India wants a wider coalition. And again, I think that is something that India brought to the table of Quad. And I think that is one of the reasons why we have seen uh, 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 the Quad expanding the remit, Quad talking about Quad plus arrangements, Quad talking about building a wider coalition. But I think strategically, all the important aspects today, whether it is vaccines, whether it is technology, whether it is infrastructure, uh, they are all strategic in, in orientation at a time when even North Koreans are sending back their Chinese vaccines. This is the time for Quad to step up and play uh, its vaccine game. If, if India can supply vaccines with the help of Americans, Australians and Japanese, that would fill that void and that would make Quad a credible actor in, in the Indo-Pacific. So I think if we can do that, that would be very good. Uh, but I, I think Quad and AUKUS should be looked at separately. They complement, AUKUS will complement what Quad is trying to do. But I, I think at the end of the day, uh, in, it's for India to decide which direction it wants to take and how far it Absolutely. wants to go on certain of these issues. Absolutely. Very, very, uh, it's a very logical point that India needs to decide how far does it uh, want to go and uh, what's what's the equation that it wants to maintain with US and China. But like you were pointing out, uh, Harsh, that uh, all these things now, whether it's vaccine or 5G, they are all strategic in orientation. Another of our viewer, Anand Sangameshwaran, has also raised this point. I'll just read out what he's written because you've already uh, answered this. That apart from vaccine, 5G, etc., shouldn't the Quad also increase military and strategic cooperation, especially in the South China Sea? So uh, this has been answered. Uh, what are the pros and cons of calling it a, a really a military and strategic alliance? Um, but thank you so much for answering that and we have time for just this much on this episode of the ideas factory we shall meet you next week thank you for watching thank you for tuning in to policy pod the orf podcast please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes